0: Amen and good morning. Happy New Year. Isn't it great this year? We got to do Christmas Eve one Sunday and then New Year's Eve the next Sunday. gives us a neat chance to sort of look at the new year and think, what are we going to do next year differently than we did this year? Is there anybody else besides me that has identified something in your life that you would like to do better next year than you did this year? Anyone? That's kind of what New Year's resolutions are always about. New Year gives us that chance, doesn't it? And the whole country sort of capitalized on that idea. I thought this year, once we get through Christmas actual holiday, that I would be safe watching movies with my wife, that there would no longer be any Hallmark movies. (laughs) Guys, didn't you think? I mean, we think building up to Christmas, it starts earlier every year. I think they start their Hallmark Christmas movies in about June now, and, and we had to endure it and wait, but we did so with the hope that after December 25th, that we wouldn't have to watch those things anymore, guys. And uh, I came down last night from doing my study routine, and we sit down, Julie and I usually we watch a movie Saturday night or watch a show together. It's kind of our, our preparation routine. It gets my mind off the sermon for a little bit. And uh, sat down, I was looking forward to something new, you know, New Year's Eve, they usually have some good action movies on. And I sit down, she's got it on pause, on hold, already waiting for me. Honey, there's a great, great movie on, and I'm excited. And sit down, and we have our popcorn, and it's Hallmark Channel. (laughs) And see, now Hallmark's doing, they're not just doing the Christmas tearjerkers, now they're doing the New Year tearjerker. And it was actually uh, a Christmas. Sappy story, and it involved New Year's resolutions. And so everybody's doing this. It's, it's the opportunity that we have, really, to talk about a better year. And I want you to know, I don't know what kind of year you had. Some have had some really tough years. Um, but, but I don't know what kind of year you had this year. But I want you to know this, that no matter what you encountered this year, no matter what it was like for you, God has a, a plan and a purpose for the next year to do more Of his will, more that would bring glory to him, more of himself in your life that would make it a better year than last year. That's the truth. He really does have great things planned for us. And if we'll make our commitments each year to walk with him, to know him better, to be more in line with God, then we'll find our year actually gets better and better every time we have one. So it's a great opportunity. It's called renewal. You think about it, we get the chance to renew our walk with God and to experience Him. He transforms our lives as we do that. So this year I want to wish you not just a happy new year, I want to wish you a happy new you. Renewed in Christ so that you have a new you. This year, And where do we get that from? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to read this short passage, and then we're going to launch from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to look back into Genesis chapter 32 and see how this kind of change, renewal change, happens in our life so that we can watch for it next year. Okay, you with me? All right, this is is the renewal that we are looking for. The Bible addresses it, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're just going to pick up in verse 16. Look what it says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That means don't be discouraged. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being, watch it right here, renewed day by day. Each day that comes, each new opportunity to live life, and this is true with the year as well, we have this option to be renewed. What are we being renewed in? The image, the person, the character of Jesus Christ. That was the Christmas message. He came to earth so that we can encounter him and become more like him. Keep reading, verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal." You see, so each year this renewal process takes us, stay with me, church, this, is, this could change next year for you, takes us on a journey where we realize that where we have been is maybe focused too much on the temporary. We've allowed maybe in certain areas of our life the world or, or our own desires, our flesh, things that God isn't necessarily in, we've allowed those things to kind of take over and direct some of our life. And, and so we have the chance to turn back and to walk in the things which are not temporary, the things which are not seen, but it comes through, he says, light affliction. And I want to focus on that for just a minute. Say, we came to church December 31st, 2017. We wanted to hear this great message of, hey, next year's going to be awesome. It's going to be all good. All you have to do is this. It's going to be very easy, and and, and if you'll just simply do this, then next year you'll have a great year. But that's not really truth. The truth is, That the renewal, the greatness, the better next year, comes oftentimes through some strain. And that's the the reality. It comes through some affliction or difficulty oftentimes. And I want you to identify that because next year, God intends to do more in your life through this process. Genesis chapter 32 gives us the picture. Three steps in the life of Jacob. I want to show you what I call the three steps for the new you. So that you can identify this and walk next year with a better outcome, with more joy, with more peace. Genesis chapter 32, turn back there with me and I'm going to show you three simple steps here. Now, they're simple to identify, difficult to live, but we're going to do this together. The, The context here is Jacob. You know, Jacob is one of those fathers of Israel. He's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So he's one of the big key players that God is using to do his will, his work in the world through specifically this family or this, this lineage genealogy of Abraham who will become the nation of Israel. You remember that? And this guy, Jacob, is one of the key personalities, forefathers of this nation. And God's working in their life, and I don't know if you know the story or not, but let me just bring you up to speed. Jacob decided, you see, he's, he's the next in line to, to cooperate with God, to be the people of God, so that God can reveal his glory to the earth. That's a big responsibility. It's a big blessing. It's huge. Jacob decided that he wanted to do other things with his life. You remember he deceived his brother and stole a birthright from Esau, his brother. And then a little bit later on, he tricked his father, Isaac, by pretending he was Esau. I don't know if you know the story, but he goes through great lengths to come into his blind father's presence all dressed up like Esau so that he would receive something that wasn't intended for him but was intended for his brother Esau and he ends up in this huge conflict with Esau and Esau's a big burly dude like he's the big brother you don't want to mess with and so Jacob is literally fearing the day where he's going to meet up with his brother Esau again and that's where we pick up the story actually Esau is on the horizon and Jacob has a accumulated quite a bit of wealth for himself he has lived life the way he wanted to live it he stole blessing he accumulated goods prosperity but ultimately this is where it led him he determined the timing in his life he determined the methodology how i'm going to do life he determined the processes and it all led to heartbreak it always does See, last year, there were some things that you encountered that were heartbreaking. Some things you just have no control over. It's the world we live in. But more often than not, follower of Jesus Christ, there were some some things in your life that led to disappointment. Maybe some emptiness. Frustration. That was because you really chose to live that portion of your life your way, Instead of God's way, and that's that's what Jacob has discovered. That's where we pick up the story. He literally had to divide up his family and spread them out because Esau was going to come in his mind and slaughter them. He was going to kill them all, and he figured, well, if I give him half, he'll slaughter half my family, and that will appease him, and then he'll he'll let me survive. Could you imagine being at a place where you're willing to sacrifice all of your goods, all of your possessions, all of your success? all of your family members for the sake of being able to survive next year. That's not a good place to be. And that's where we find him. Chapter 32, verse 22, read with me. And He arose that night, took his two wives, this is Jacob, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob's asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of this place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. What an interesting encounter Jacob has with God. This is the encounter where Jacob literally, the, the word is wrestle, contended with God he resisted against God and was like sort of pressing against who God is and what God's will was and we think that's pretty bold and brazen don't you I mean would you walk out and say okay God let's go I'm taking you on I think I can win not many of us would I admit that we're willing to do that but the truth is that just like Jacob A lot of disappointment in our life last year. A lot of frustration came because we were really resisting against God's ways. God's ways are not always easy. Sometimes they leave us with a very vulnerable place, with nothing to hold on to. And so we have this encounter three steps. The first step is crisis. God will allow crisis, God will lead you to crisis. Listen, don't be afraid of crisis this next year. It might be major, it might be minor, it might be a crisis of faith, it might be a crisis emotionally, it might be a crisis mentally, somewhere there's going to be some, you know what crisis really is, it's what am I going to do here, I'm not really sure, there seems to be some opposition. Let's be honest, church, let's be honest. Is it true that if you live life today in Redding, Shasta County, wherever you live, 2017, 2000, isn't it true that somewhere in your life there's going to be some opposition options, some circumstances that come where you're really not going to know exactly what to do. It's going to be sort of uncertain, and there's going to be some resistance from the world. Is, do I am, am I in the right room? Am I the only one that thinks like that? Do you guys see that? I mean, that's the way it's going to be next year. To think that next year is going to be this wonderful, easy, glorious, just everything's going to go perfectly my way. I'm just going to coast through the year. That's an unrealistic expectation, isn't it? That's going to set you up for disappointment, for failure. So the truth is, this year when you get ready, crises will come. You'll have times where you will face instances where you're not sure what to do, and in some cases they're going to show you something about yourself that's not lined up with God. God allows crisis for those purposes. It's the first step in renewal. It's the first step in the new you. The crisis that comes. Well, some things happen in these crises with God. The isolation sometimes. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jacob has now sent away all his family. <laughs> you, go, you go run interference. Put your life on the line so that Esau will take you out and spare me. And he's literally gotten to the point where it says he sent his, his wives, his female servants, his sons, everybody crossed over the ford of, of Jabbok. He sent them over this, this creek. And the, the word Jabbok literally means, it, it's made from two words, to pour out completely in conflict. It's the idea of being isolated. You have nothing left. He said, all of his, like, I have nothing. I've gotten to the point where in my life, I'm literally hoping to be able to survive this encounter, to live, and it's just me. And he ends up alone there with God, in isolation embrace those times. I mean, we don't have to send our family across the river to be sacrificed, but there are times when, when we feel lonely, and instead of, instead of backing away and trying to fill that with all kinds of noise and activity, and guys, men, listen to me, hobbies, because no, normally when we get isolated and God wants to reveal something and have an encounter with us, and we feel like uh, lost, we have nothing to hold on to, we grab onto our guns, our hunting, our sports, our garage, our cars, whatever it is. It might be knitting and quilting for you. I don't know. Whatever it is, you grab onto something, your career, and we try to fill that void with noise. But the the truth is, God wants to do some renewal, and sometimes he'll let us be isolated just alone with him. Spend that time, people, just with God. Just that your quiet devotional time doesn't depend on your spouse. It doesn't depend on their Sunday school lesson it's, it's you and God where you pour yourself out. Jabbok is an is emptying where you really say, what am I doing? Like, question, what are you really doing with your life right now? I mean, come on, put all this stuff aside for a second. Just, what are you doing this year? What are you really trying to accomplish this next year? Does it have to do with financial security? Does it have to do with reputation? Does it have to do with what, what you want to experience and feel? Does it have to do with your relationships? What's, what's really going on? Spend some time in isolation, emptying that out before God. God, this is what I'm trying to do. This is why I do what I do. This is why nobody talks to me anymore because I, I'm this way. This is why our finances are in a mess, because I keep trying to hoard it up. This is just before God. Lay it out. Pour it out in this time of isolation. Because also in, the, in this crisis is a time of confrontation. Verse 24 said, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, is it, who is he really wrestling with, a man or God? I don't, I don't really know what it looked like. I have to be honest with you. A lot of times in the Old Testament, when somebody had a personal encounter with God, God used representatives, his angels. God showed up in a different form. I, I don't really know, but we know that this much is clear. This was God wrestling with him. It says that because later he says, this is the place where I have met with God. and It talks about God speaking to him in this encounter. So, so he gets alone with God, he empties himself, and now he's beginning to resist and contend with God. I have a message for Crosspoint Community Church. By the way, I think John said it earlier. The church is the people. Do you guys remember that? You just would you do me a favor? Repeat this after me, and, and, and see if you meet it from here. We're gonna say, "I am the church." Would you repeat that with me? One, two, three. Say it again. You, it's really true. You are the church much more so than just just me or just the people that stand on the stage or, or lead? I mean, we're certainly part of the church too, but, but the church, when you read about it in the Bible, when God says, this is my church, he's speaking to the people who have responded to the message of the gospel of grace and are now following him, his disciples. You really are the church. So the message for the church is this. Cross point, you have been wrestling with God. We have, as a church, the whole church in America really is in this identity crisis. What is church? Who do we want to be? What kinds of things are we trying to accomplish with church? Are you ready? At our church, we have been resisting the true identity that God has for his church. The real identity is absolutely missional. It's all about the Great Commission. It's all about worship and surrender and sacrifice and giving. Do like this. Yeah, it is. Read the Bible. But you see, we live in this consumer-driven society. And, and we've been captivated, caught up in that thinking that I shop for me. I select and choose for me. And the identity crisis we're going through as a church right here at Crosspoint is, is this church for me or is this church for God. Is this church something that I want to come to and that I want to enjoy that's for my personal preference, for my pleasure, for my own whatever? Or is this church the place where God brings us together that we sacrificially serve so that the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to go to the world and people are made into followers and disciples of Jesus Christ? You can't, you can't have both. It's not for you and for God. When it's for God, it costs Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Him. That's pretty much what he was saying. And we're struggling. The complaints that come across my desk from the church are, are complaints that show resistance, wrestling with God. I got news for you. This year, God wants to win the wrestling match. This year, God wants to do something powerful. Changing the identity of who we are as a church. Why we come. How we participate in what the church is. God is changing that. God is redeeming that. He is, watch this, renewing that identity in our church. So, we're contending. And God will confront. God confronts me all the time, church. I'm not some spiritual giant that you should follow after because most of the time i end up contending with god more than i should but the truth is when we come to being renewed it means that there is something that needs to be re made new again in christ's image re again made new again in christ's image you see it needs to be done again because i i turn i wander i embrace other things the renewal process is a blessing The new year sets up for us the opportunity to be renewed again to who you really are in Christ so that God could do more in your life. But but you have to identify first, where have I wandered? Where have I embraced things that need renewal? What kinds of things am I pushing against God in? Some of us have been wrestling for a long time with some things. And in His grace, isn't this wonderful? I mean, God ends up, busting up Jacob a little bit in his hip, and I know what you're thinking. I was reading it where he touched his hip and it was out of socket and he never walked the same again, and I'm up here limping across the stage from my recent knee surgery. I know what you guys are thinking. Listen, you worry about your own wrestling with God. I have enough, right? Some of you are limping in other ways too. But the truth is, God is so gracious. He he lets us contend with him, and he could just wipe us out. But this is not the contending where he's literally like sweating and fighting against us. He's staying in the relationship. He's pressing, but gently, his will. Listen, God's not gonna force his will on anybody in this room. God is not going to just, oh, you have to just, I came to church and he's just going to magically make me do his will. That doesn't happen. He is gracious enough to keep speaking his word. He is gracious enough to provide things in your life, the Holy Spirit, the church, the word of God, one another, right? He he continues to reveal and press who he is, but he's not going to force you. The, The question is, are you going to let his will, his thinking God's priorities become yours. Are you going to give up or are you going to keep pressing? No, no, I still want to do it this way, God. I'm so grateful that God stays in the wrestling match with me. He doesn't back away and yet he doesn't just mole over the top of me because he wants to change me. Ooh, that's good. He wants to change you for the better. So it involves this crisis. Of course, we always come away altered when we are in crisis with God, when we're contending against God. Jacob's was physical the, the, the hip dislocation, the, the walking away, and never the same again. God changed the way he saw himself, the way he walked, the, who he was. And God does that if we let him. Um, I want to ask you a question do, do you really want God to alter you today? I mean, that's one of those things that you you don't just answer out loud because you're in church. Yeah, I want God to alter me. I want want to be a worshiper and follower of God. Good, but think about it. Do you really want God to alter who you are this year? If you let him, whenever God alters who you are, it's for the better. You see, that's the goodness of God. It's, It's more of what God does and what God has to offer. So choose right now. Do you want more of what the world has to offer or do you want more of what God has to offer? Set your eyes on the temporary, fleeting things or the eternal, permanent things. That's what 2 Corinthians was saying. So make that choice because when God alters you, he does that. See, the alteration process, God changes who you really are. He changes your identity, how you talk to people, respond to people. Sometimes, sometimes he roots up unwanted flaws in your life by changing who you are. Sometimes he uproots and breaks strongholds that are in your life. Don't you know we all have strongholds? Can we just be honest? Okay, let me be honest for you. The more I get to know you, the more I see strongholds in your life. But that, that's not, I'm not putting you down. The same is true the more you get to know me. We have stronghold. We have things that have really taken hold in our life, have gripped us. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you don't even know that's why you are the way you are. You've done it for so long. And see, God isn't going to work in that and can't bless that, just like Jacob. I'm not going to protect you from Esau with you living like that holding on to your own confidence looking for your own glory so in this contention, in this wrestling God changes him gives him a new identity breaks strongholds gently gently there's a crisis it's okay Even if it's a personal crisis, it's okay. Get alone with God. Pour yourself out. If you're contending and wrestling with God, which we are, let God change you. Let Him change your mind about something. He says, This is my way. Then you say, Okay, yes, that's the better way. That's changing your mind. This is what I love, God says. I love righteousness, I love truth, I love gentleness and humility. Okay, I love those things too, God. That's your heart being changed by God. So the crisis comes. And then we see this thing happen in Jacob's life where he moves to the second step. Jacob was left alone in verse 24, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now it wasn't he saw that he did not prevail, but the he's get a little confusing. Who's saying what in this exchange? This is God seeing that he would not prevail. In other words, you're being stubborn here, Jacob. You haven't really given up here yet. He touched the socket of his hip. This is where he changes him. Changes his identity. His hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now watch verse 26. And then he said, let me go for the day breaks. Now this is God still speaking. God's saying to Jacob, let me go for the day breaks. See, God, he's kind of busy He has like this whole creation universe to run. Lots of things to attend to. Did you know there's a lot of other people besides you in the world? You say yes but some of us don't act like that, do we? I'm kidding a little bit, right? But the point is daybreak is coming. God has changed him and now God needs to move on to something else in his life. And uh, response is revealing he was wrestling with god and you know when you wrestle you pull somebody close in order to gain leverage on them don't you guys where's the bootinger boys right guys not what you do like you get in real close in wrestling don't you too close for my comfort but hey you get in there and and if you if you if you use weight leverage momentum Uh, You can do things by manipulating the other person to gain advantage, right? That's what wrestling all, think about what Jacob is doing with God in his life. I want to use my weight of my life, my thinking, what I think is best to gain leverage and manipulate who God is. That's why he drew close to God. He was literally holding on to God in order to change God's thinking, in order to win, to prevail against the way the righteous holy God of the universe is. Watch what happens. The day breaks, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Whoa, wait a minute. Something changed right here. Now he's holding on to God, not to overcome and prevail against God, but now he's holding on to God because he desperately needs God. He goes from contending with God, watch this, to clinging to God, and that requires a commitment. Step two is the commitment step. You've gone through a crisis, God has changed your mind and changed your heart. Now listen, this happens all the time in church, you come and you hear the word, and we have a response time, don't we, and hopefully you say, yes, God, you've spoken to me through your word, and I'm going to do what you say and then we walk out of this room or we walk out of our living room go into the world and the question is how committed are we to being with God throughout the day yeah that's what he does here this commitment is a transition from wrestling against God to clinging to God you see what he's saying I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me until you bless me what is that saying Watch this. I'm going to show you this, guys. Whenever we change our mind, our identity, to be more of the new in Christ you, whenever we do that, moving forward will mean depending on his strength more. Did you hear that? When our identity is changed in Christ, it's a good thing. We change our mind. We yield and surrender and say, your way, God. Now, moving forward in life, next year for you means you're going to have to live your life next year needing God more than you did last year, depending on God's power and strength more than you did last month, trusting in his ways to prevail, for example— It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's not a way of the world. That's a way of God. But if you're going to do that, you're really going to have to trust that God is right. You're really going to have to live in his provision and his way. And that's called clinging to God. Will you make a commitment this year that you will live every day this this next year, every day in your life, clinging to God, that unless you have what he can give you, you don't want to even do it. Do you know what would happen if an entire church full of people actually lived their life that way? You'd probably say, no, I don't know what would happen. That's because we're not seeing enough of it today. We're seeing way more uh, lukewarm living, way more, I just want to live the way I want and just put Jesus on the bumper sticker so everybody knows I'm a Christian. But where are people living In complete abandonment, I have let go of the things of this earth, and I am trusting in the ways of God, and if God doesn't come through, then I will fall flat on my face because I'm trusting that his way is right. And his way usually means that I cannot accomplish it on my own. Are you with me? Are you listening to me, church? His way means that you will walk forward next year doing, attempting to do, walking in what you cannot accomplish on your own. That's how God works. That's where God renews who you are. That's where God brings his grace and his power and his provision to your life. That's where life gets better. So there's this huge renewal process that he's going through, and it has to do with changing who he is so that he needs God more. By the way, let me just make sure we're still talking about the same subject. Y'all with me? I didn't lose you yet. We're going to start wrapping up here. Listen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see what he's saying? The outward man, the part of you that just sort of gravitates toward ease and your own determining life, is perishing. You, You let it perish, you let it die. But as you do, the inward man, the new you, the Christ in you, is renewed, is gained, bringing a far more weight of glory. That's what we're talking about. So he moves through this process. Step one is the crisis. Step two is the commitment. Now he's clinging to God. I'm not going to leave until you bless me. And the final step is cooperation. Cooperation. We keep reading. Verse 28. And he said, your name. He asked him his name. Jacob. says, Jacob. Verse 28. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Not prevailed against God, prevailed in your own life. You have struggled with God, and so now, because you let God win, you will prevail in your endeavors. What happens here is amazing. We'll talk about the name change, and then we're going to close. But before I do that, there's a story going on. you Remember Esau, his brother is coming, and he has cheated Esau, lied to Esau, and he thinks Esau is going to kill him. And if you keep reading in Genesis, this remarkable thing happens where Esau, it doesn't make sense why he does this because he really is an angry, bitter man. There were were proverbs about how vengeful Esau was. But surprising to everybody, Esau reaches out with a hand of forgiveness and restoration to Jacob. And there's this wonderful scene and picture of Jacob and Esau being reunited as God's family again. See, God wants to do some of those remarkable things in your life too. But it requires the crisis, the commitment, and then the cooperation with God. When you cooperate with God, He brings restoration, He brings healing, He brings goodness. If we could only learn that, when you cooperate with God, He brings goodness. In your life, it doesn't mean there's not trial. The trial's part of the process. The conflict and the wrestling and the going through and surrendering and pouring out is all part of the renewal process. But if we do it, God brings more goodness into our life, more Godness into our life. He changes His name. I'm not letting you go until you bless me, God. Okay, what's your name? Jacob, deceiver. Using craftiness and deceit to accomplish your own gain. That's who you are. He said it, that's who I am. And In the Old Testament, the name really represented the person. Okay, you admit who you are. And you've agreed to let me change you. Now let me tell you the new you. And he gives him a new name, Israel. Prince of God. You remember what I said at the beginning of the story? God is at work in the life of Israel, these people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to do what? To show the rest of the world who he was. He called Israel through Abraham specifically to be the people that would cooperate with God in order to show the rest of the world who God was. That's God's plan. That's his purpose for Israel. We see that now clearly. Jacob was out of alignment with God's plan and purpose for Israel Until this renewal process, and then God changes his name back to Israel. You are now back in place of being my people, of cooperating with me, doing what I want to do in your life and in the world. And as a result, he ends up experiencing healing and restoration in his family. A miracle of God. God's power. God's provision. question for you again you have to answer this do you really want God's best in your life because the truth is let's be honest sometimes we get to the place where we're not really sure we do I think I can do better here it's too hard to worry about God's will it's just I've been burned it's confusing I'm just going to settle for this. Don't do that. I'm pleading with you. I'm imploring you. The truth of Scripture says this God has so much more planned for you this next year than what you've settled for. And to do it, He wants to change who you are. Are you ready? Are you ready to let Him identify some character flaws? to to get into some strongholds where for a long time you've decided you're not going to do it or or agree? Are you ready to let those things go? Are you ready in your wrestling, Crosspoint Community Church, with God? Are you ready to transfer from wrestling and contending against God to clinging to God? Are we ready to move forward as a church saying, in order to do what God has called us to do, we absolutely must have the power and provision of God or we cannot make it. Are we ready to be that kind of people of faith? That's what it takes to own the identity that God has for us. But there's so much better life that comes. I think God wants to bless us this year as a church. I think He wants to bless you as a church. But it doesn't just come automatically, there's a process it's the renewal. The outward man needs to continue to perish, the inward man continues to be renewed. And each one of us have the choice. What do I want to do with who God really says he is? Will you cling to him this year? Will you respond and say, yes, God, I will do, I will become who you say I am. And I will need you to do it, but I'm going to do it because I believe in you. Will you do that? Will you do that? Let's pray. Pray with me. We make a decision, a commitment today. But I really want to give you a chance to be changed. Father, thank you for your wonderful grace. Thank you, God, that you care for us, each one, enough to come to earth and take our sins away and to allow us to walk with you in a new relationship? Have you walked with God in a new relationship? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? That you need His death on the cross to pay for your sins so that you can be restored to God now and forever? If not, I want to invite you to pray that prayer. Make that decision right here at the beginning of the new year. You pray like this, God, I know that I sin. And my sin keeps me away from you but i choose to believe jesus christ came to die on the cross and shed his blood for my sin and i let go of my sin and my own efforts to try to be good and i place my faith and trust in you jesus christ in what you did for me i believe and i accept your offer of forgiveness. And in a new relationship, having been forgiven of sin, Lord, I want to walk this year in renewal. I want to be, it's all fine, God, less TV, better, more health food, better management of time, all these little things that, 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 that I need to do next year, those are fine, well, and good. But Lord, before all those things, I, I put on the altar this morning my identity, who I am. And I've been wrestling with you. You show me right now, this morning, this area, this truth, this part of who I am where I'm not really trusting your way. Trusting my way. Change me. You've created me new. And you give me everything that I need for life and godliness. And I will choose to trust in you to make me whole. In you to make me happy. In you to show me what is right and good I surrender Lord even right now I'm clinging to you this area where I've contended and wrestled now Lord I don't want to walk away unless you bless me because it won't work I need you to do your ways and I want to walk with you each day this year trusting you knowing you hearing you Seeing you do great and mighty things to bring glory to your name right here in my life. And I know that it means change. I surrender. I give it up, Lord. I say yes. Uh, we do not look at the things which are seen but this morning at the things which are not seen the things which are not seen are eternal it might be that I have less of what this world has to offer but I trust in more of the nature of Jesus It might be, God, that as I make this commitment, it would be less of my own strength, my own doing, but more the power of the Holy Spirit. Less temporary effectiveness, but it's going to be more weight of eternal, never-ending glory. And I choose to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Happy renew you. Happy new you this year in Christ. Walk in that identity. I pray today that you'll go home, maybe mark a few simple notes uh, that God spoke to your heart about this morning. How can I do those three steps the crisis, and the commitment, and the cooperation? How can I do that really in my life? And make that important this year, because the effectiveness of God working in your life is going to depend on it, and that's true for us as a church as well.